Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Beer Ladies podcast. Um, I am your host today, and I'm Tandy. And today we have got Lisa, Katie, and Bean, who will all say hi in a minute. And today we are going to talk about malt. Now, I know it probably sounds like we're talking about malt a whole lot since we've just had two episodes on malt tonics, but malt is the uh, is the primary ingredient in beer you know there's only four ingredients anyway but it's 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 malted grains malted barley being the most prominent water hops and yeast um and what we wanted to do thanks bean for the gr- brilliant idea here what we wanted to do was uh, go and take a bit of a deep dive into each of the ingredients so we're going to call this the ingredient series and I don't think we'll cover each ingredient in only one episode because there's quite a lot to talk about. But, you know, we'll uh, we'll get through it. Today, though, we are going to just talk about malt and we're going to figure it out and, and you know, see what it is and how it's made and why it's so cool and uh, why we should all revere it, you know, and not just worship the hops. All right. So before we really get into it, I just want to remind you all to please subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends, do all the do all of those things for us. It really helps us to grow the podcast and it helps us to reach more people. And um, if you like it, maybe a friend would. So please uh, share, share it, share it with your friend. Um, That could be on Facebook. It could be on Instagram, Twitter. We're on all of those places and we're on all of your podcasting platforms as well as YouTube if you prefer to watch. All right, ladies, let's get into let's get into malt and let's maybe just start with what you're drinking. So say hi, Bean, and tell us what you're drinking. Hi, Bean. <laughs> <laughs> I've spent all my research time researching how to say toe, which I still can't do. That was pretty good. Was pretty I tried like two beers, 45 days organic Pilsner. Um, so you can... Breaking with the bean tradition of drinking beers that you can't get anymore. <laughs> I'm I'm now I've got this lovely Pilsner that you can get in Ireland and Denmark, and this other lovely uh, Whiplash for later that has about fifty zillion different malts in it. <laughs> so two two styles of things made with malt, made to order. I'm really excited for this um, organic Pilsner because. 
you know, they didn't spray their crops and I haven't had a Pilsner in forever. And, uh, oh man, it's like light and fresh and summer days are, are coming. And, and the sun's it's time out to like, here. Yeah. Oh, it's Perfect. like spring cleanings, you know, go take our podcast over to the junk drawer and like <laughs> wipe that business out. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a great beer for, for spring and a, and a lovely sunny day here. Katie, what are you drinking, friend? I am also drinking a Pilsner on a lovely Ooh. spring day in Ireland. I have, to put it right up there, the Curious mm-hmm. Society Pilsner from Larkins. Mm-hmm. And uh, ingredients, it, it has listed water, barley and hops, but it hasn't listed yeast. And I don't know why. It should <laughs> have yeast, right? Magic. Yeast. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's wild fermented or anything, but I wonder yeah. what. So, so Katie, but, that's part of their low-cost range. Yeah, and this mm-hmm. is also gluten-free. How? Huh. Oh. Interesting. I don't know. It just says uh, <laughs> it's gluten-free lager. So wow. there you go. But um, it tastes really huh. nice. Huh. Yeah. That is magical. It's magical. No yeast and gluten-free, even though. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that, by the way that that is an episode we are going to have to do is how to brew gluten-free beer because yeah. uh, gluten is everywhere man okay Absolutely. lisa what you got friend so i have the lock gill c anderson's irish red ale I, i've mm. just seen this one sort of popping up around town over the past couple of weeks so i don't know if they've uh, kind of gone this way as a sort of um lockdown st patrick's day sort of a treat but uh, uh. definitely something that's very, very, very sort of light and refreshing. I know we're all kind of going with this sort of, you know, it's warm out feel. So I, I love that, that it has some really nice toasty uh, sort of um, malt character. So it's it's definitely a good one. Awesome. Commended. Which nice. when, we say, when we say it's warm yeah. out, I think it's like, what, 13 degrees, 12 Something degrees? Something like that. That's warm. I hey, didn't so need an extra layer 10. running. Yes. <laughs> anything above 10 is completely doable yeah. these days. <laughs> yes. It wasn't raining. I didn't need two layers running. That's that's my my bar. If you, if you have low standards, you'll never be disappointing. <laughs> 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 All right. So on to mine. So I've I've gone kind of the opposite way actually. Not not really on purpose, but because I wanted to I wanted to um try something that really is strong on the sort of malt malt sort of flavors and malt aromas so i have got a aporia it's an export style from garage beer they're spanish i believe they're from barcelona i don't know if that's in focus there it's such a cute can it's like this bright red with blue starfish and it's, it, it just looks really cool and it's an export start and um uh, an export start besides anything else is really very high in sort of flavor and ABV and lots of coffee. I believe in this one, it is 8%. So I'm going to, you know, perfect, perfect uh, beer before a Sunday nap, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, cheers, ladies. Let's get into malt. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. Ooh, that is ooh, roasty. Okay. Oh. So, when, when we talk about malt, it's, um, it's a weird thing to talk about malt because malt is actually, it's more like a process than a thing. So when we talk about malt, and ladies, you know, butt in as you will, but when we talk about malt, we're talking about grains that have gone through a process to make it fit for beer making. And uh, it can be any grain, almost. Uh, some example grains are barley, which is the most, uh, the most common grain for beer. It, uh, we wouldn't have beer without barley. But kind of... Other ones are really prominent too. So wheat is a really prominent um, grain. Oats, rye, 
corn. Uh, there's a lot of corn, especially in uh, in sort of lagers, you, you'd find a lot of corn and maize and even rice. So, by the way, Bean, that might be a way to get some gluten-free uh, mm. beers to use rice. But I'm sure that there's a lot of other ways. Um, so when we talk about um, malting a grain, you know, all of these things are just some sort of cereal and there's some sort of seed. And to get it ready for uh, making beer, you've got to soak them like soak the grains in water and make it sort of warm enough for them to think that they've been planted. And what we're really doing then is tricking them into thinking that they need to germinate and sprout and grow roots and grow shoots. And then kind of just as they're starting to sprout or, you know, there's a, there's a point at which the, uh, the maltster says, right, that's it. And it goes into the kiln, which is where it is dried. Um, so, so all of the moisture is kind of taken out. It's uh, dried and sort of preserved in a better way. And then, depending on what kind of malt we want, it goes into um, it goes to be roasted. So, I um, when I first learned about malt and the way that this works, I was absolutely amazed. It's like alchemy, because yeah, yeah I mean, you take you take one little grain, one thing that looks the same almost every time, and you can get so many different kinds of malt from it. It's so cool. So, just changing things like the length of um, the kiln or the roasting, the temperature which it's roasted at, you get lighter malts, you get darker malts, and then, you know, everything in between. And they've got all these different flavor profiles. So, you know, when people talk about um, flavors within within a beer, you know, you often hear things like coffee or chocolate mm. or toffee or caramel. These are not These are not things that are typically added to beer. These are coming from the process of malting the barley or whichever other grain was it you know it is it has been malted let's not uh, mince our words so everything from the really light sort of pale barley um, and even pulsed malt bean and uh, katie you too <laughs> um, which are let's say the ones that have been um, roasted the least probably not even roasted they've probably just been dried i'm not sure um but all the way up to kind of chocolate malts and black malts uh, those are all just kind of the same grain that have been treated slightly differently and they give us all of these different flavors in beer now the other thing that i thought was really interesting i mean i know this as a brewer but i thought it was really interesting when i was first learning was that i thought that maybe stouts or the darker beers would use a lot of dark grains to make them really dark and really rich and roasty. It's really not the case. It's it's often the case that you're using 85 to 90% pale malt. It's the base of all beers. And then the other 10 or 15% are where the brewers play with different kinds of malts to give that profile. So, I mean, if you just brewed a beer with pale malt, it would come out, you, you know, a, a palish color, depending on what, what kind of pale malt you used. And then your hops would shine, depending on what you wanted to do. Um, but if you add just one more malt variety, it changes your beer fundamentally. And some beers, um, you know, are made with six or seven different malts. So you can imagine that's a seriously complex. And I really love the, the breweries that um, market on their labels, what, what malts they've used and what yes. hops they've used. It's, it's yeah. very interesting, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like you say, whether it's just a reverse engineer at home or just to kind of know, oh, I like these or maybe I don't like these as much. It just gives you a little more insight into to what's going on under the hood. And I've always loved that that factoid about, you know, your darker beers are not just let's throw in all the darker malts. Mm. It's still really your your pale, your crystal malts are still you know, your primary ones out there. So it's, uh, and especially just the, 
that, that, like you say, that, that roasting element is, is really, really hard for people to, to do. It's, we've yeah. lost so many traditional molsters and I know we'll, we'll talk a bit more about that, but it's, uh, it's not a simple thing, um, unless you're something like a Diageo and you're doing your own at scale, but, but you know, yeah. special yeah. case. So that, that was another really surprising fact that I learned was, was that to become a person that malts these grains, it's not it's not just a matter of kind of being a home cook and being able to do it. You know, it, it, it takes years and years of practice and experience, and there are degrees that you can get in this. So it's it's um, it really is quite a quite an esteemed um, profession, and so you know, I just think that that's great. You know, you don't you don't really think about it that much, but there's a lot of skill that goes into beer making, and it's not always in the putting together of ingredients; it's also in the growing of those ingredients. That's Absolutely. Pretty, yeah. You're here to that. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, the head brewer is like the sexy job, but like, the most, <laughs> exactly. you know, the monster is so important. Yeah. Yeah. Katie, I just wanted to mention, for, I mean, for those um, who are listening, you won't see this, but for those watching on YouTube, Katie's got a background and it is a barley field. It's a barley field. It's, it's just lovely. random. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. It's a, an yeah. ode to the farmer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I'm sure Bean's going to tell us a little bit about this, but malt is called the soul of of a beer rather than anything else because it really is the base. It's the it's the the thing that really starts the beer off in the right way. Actually, it was it was uh, I think Lisa linked us an article from Pete Brown, which mm. I found a brilliant read. So that will be the first thing we link in the show notes mm. is his. Um, uh, idea that just like malt being the base it's like if you're making a soup or a stew that's like your tomatoes and your meaty uh, bits and then the hops are like you know if you want to put thyme or mediterranean flavors or you want to make it into a curry he's kind of drawing those um those parallels so like yeah if i'm making a stew the, all the flavor comes from like kind of the the stock and the and the meat and the maybe it's tomatoes or like those portions that's like the malt um and like so if you if you think of our ingredient series like you need you need water you need yeast um hops are amazing or adjuncts um but also yeah the the malt is yeah, it totally is the unsung hero. So we really wanted to sort of sing it from the rooftops for our first ingredient. Um, like, of course, you need the water to grow the barley and you need the water to like almost sprout the barley before you bake it down again into its like powdery sugars and proteins. But um, yeah, it's mm. it's such a it's such a beautiful thing. And you can make like this light beer. Oh, I tell you what, this is totally related I, I want to make cookies. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> making cookies right now. And I totally want to make cookies. And when I'm really on my cookies game, um, I'll make it like like beer with different malts. So like if Ooh. I make cookies, mm. I'll use like smoked salt. Ooh. It's a game yeah. changer. Fancy. And like like light sugar and kind of toasty sugar and like real molasses sugar. And like... I'll, so that would be like making a a stout with like crystal malt and like some Maris Otter or actually that's not okay I have, I'm gonna go back and correct myself in a minute <laughs> and, and um 
like kind of building on the like roasty toasty dark roasted chocolate flavors and like building that or like if you're making cookies you got like some milk chocolate chips in there you got some like dark chunks of chocolate and you kind of build and stack those and it's so much fun to cook with and it's lovely to know where your ingredients are coming from and as a mm-hmm. as a person who is like Jane Doe on the street has some beers in the fridge I I would love to have like more beer where I know the story and I know even who grew that like where the supply chain goes mm. um, like Valley Kill Cabin they don't spray their field I love that I've got like an organic pilsner from Denmark okay now I'm going back to <laughs> correct myself about Maris Otter I know like that one's usually used as a pale malt mm-hmm. um, but actually that's just a variety name so I should um, just call myself out to people and say like there are different varieties like actual grains that the farmer can choose and sow and grow and then come along with a combine harvester at scale and, yeah. and take off the field and then those go to the malting house floor and they go to so yeah and there's different varieties that like stand up differently to the malting process so mm. um yeah just as a as a person who might get into one day cooking some beer for herself um yeah i'm starting to look at like so where does this barley actually come from and where is it comes um, to me yeah yeah so i have been doing a uh, like a little bit of research um into breweries in ireland that grow their own barley bean have and you it, indeed yeah. <laughs> i had no I idea found, Katie. <laughs> i found one that that you might really like it's called canvas <laughs> brewing Yay. they're from Tipperary but they grow their own barley they I've never have heard their... of them Katie that's so cool yeah. they have it must their... be because they're a long way I'm sorry I couldn't resist I couldn't resist and I really wanted to sing that I got a brand new combine harvester song oh, yeah. you were you the combine har- yes. you. exactly yes <laughs> <laughs> but they um they have their own well for water and they grow oh. their own hops but they also um are generating their own energy on the I farm I didn't know that wow <gasps> yeah wow. so it's I've, I'm going there I'm breaking I was, quarantine I don't care <laughs> <laughs> I was totally unaware of of I knew I'd, I'd heard of canvas and I'd, I'd seen their beers um, yeah and they do a lot of like again. wild fermentation too so mm. they must kind of have their own yeast strains that they've been cultivating either accidentally or on purpose Beer uh, butcha. that's incredible wow. how cool so there, yeah. So there, I found doing doing my research for this episode. So there's, I think most people know about Ballykill Cavern. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of barley grown in Ireland, and the main, I suppose, the main buyers would have been like Diageo for mm-hmm. Guinness, and then Murphy's, Beamish, that kind of thing. So there is a lot of barley grown, and it seems that uh, so Ballykill Cavern and there's also twelve acres is yes, in least yes. they 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 do supply I think uh, Diageo, but they also um, started to so they would have been tillage farmers, tillage farms, okay. um, and then they've started set up their own breweries to like diversify their their businesses. Mm. Um, so they are using um, barley that they grow themselves. So, Katie, did you did you find um, any of the brewers malt their own barley as well as grow it, or are they selling it to a to a maltings and then buying it back as malted barley? They are getting it malted mm, by okay. I think it's normally Minch Minch malting. 
Right. Now, I'm not sure about Canvas because they seem to try to do everything in house. That's so cool. Which yeah. sounds amazing, and I think we should we should go there in the aftertimes. Oh, mm-hmm. absolutely! And yeah. I can, there's there's definitely a parallel too on on the distilling side because Tipperary Distilling again, maybe this is just where all the good barley comes from. They grow all their own barley, and if you scan the QR code on their bottle, it's the coolest thing. They show the whole, like, when the field was planted, like, what the weather was like that year, when it was harvested. Wow. But what, what they said, it's super cool, and also their their whiskey is just amazing. Go go and get it. It's it's wonderful, and it's, you know, it's really cool to support a small, you know, essentially family-run business. Um, and I did one of their tastings with El Mulligan whiskey um, a while ago, and they said that because Diageo has kind of bought up if you like all of the malting capacity in Ireland or a vast majority of it it was cheaper for them to send to ship it all the all the barley they grew to Scotland have it malted there and then bring it back to do the distilling in Ireland so obviously it's it's not a simple process and I don't know if that's the case for everyone but I thought it was so interesting that there's there's this gap kind of in in terms of just capacity what you can what you can do so even though it's it's such a key part of um of, you know, obviously both distilling and, and beer making, you know, that they had to send it out because there's just only so many sort of independent maltsters in Ireland. Well, so it's fascinating. there is a gap in the market that somebody Absolutely. needs to fill if someone's, yeah. you know, someone's on being laid off because of the pandemic and they're thinking... I could set up a business. I could do like, something. I've got a building. That's yeah. yeah. And if you've only, you know, you only need a million or so for some fancy <laughs> ass kit. <laughs> or if you're doing just it very traditionally, it'll be fine. Yeah. If you're doing it very traditionally, just if you've got a building with the right temperature control, I mean, it could be very basic. So, oh man, you, know, you would have school. to be exceptionally, uh, well, you'd have to be quite an exceptional being to do it old school <laughs> these days, wouldn't you? True. True. The only place I've seen it old school, I'm sure there are others, but if you go to Belgium again in the after times, uh, uh, De Havaman, which I've probably said wrongly, so Charlotte, our, our Belgian member, can be like, really? Um, <laughs> but they I'll have their... her in after. Exactly. They have their old school, you know, malting floor as part of the, the brewery. And it's it's very small, but it's, it's fascinating. It's like you're in a kind of weird spa where it's sort of like very warm and, you know, close and a little bit humid. And, uh, but they've got, you know, their... Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Making it underneath mm-hmm. there and they're doing it all there in the middle of... Uh, said Bruges or Ghent. Bruges, I think. So it's oh. right there. Bruges is the main Bruges. thing. Oh, it's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> so much good beer. I think I think it's almost, you know, despite what we've already just said, that malting is a really specialized kind of occupation and it doesn't, you can't just do it in your home kitchen. I still think it would be kind of worth trying to see if you could, if you could do it. Sure you um, can. I'm of sure course you, you can. Must, you must be able to. I, I have just a don't book. know if you... Yeah. I have a book on growing your own sort of heritage grains at, at home. And then it, it talks all about barley, goes on. And it's like, oh, if you have, you know, only a thousand square feet or meters, you can grow enough barley to do something. I'm like, that's not in my oh, well, back garden <laughs> in Dublin. But How okay. big is your back garden? Right. I'm you like, said- yeah, I don't have that. But uh, it's, um, <laughs> we can kick a ball around. We're happy about that. But, uh, and then at the very end, it says, home malting is very difficult. See mm. other resources. So I'm like, okay, I guess, I guess that's not happening. There we go. But, but you, <laughs> you can do it. You can absolutely do it. It's just that you it's can't do very much. Scale. Yeah. And your spouse will be annoyed at you. And it's, just, and it's you'll easier never to grow do it hops. again. It's just much easier to grow hops at home. At least you can get enough bittering hops to make something if you're home brewing. Whereas you're not going to grow enough malt at home. Unless, again, you have. A field. Unless your home, <laughs> home happens to be a large, uh, a large acreage in the Golden Vale or something like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it was a, Bean, I want to come back to your um, Maris Otter sort of being a variety of barley, because I think that's also one of the things that's so cool is that there are so many different kinds of barley and it's similar to how grapes um, are cultivated for wine. You know, the, the different kinds of barley as with grapes, have got their own flavor profiles, and mm. it comes down to soil and climate, and you know, temperatures, and and all of those things that that give things uh, that give the barley a different taste, which is uh, which is awesome. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. and it takes you almost like into time and space of like terroir versus consistency. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you you have places maybe in France where they have like all these cheeses and it's particularly wonderful when they're of their terroir and, you know, it tastes yeah. like mm. those sheep in Normandy that were, you know, on this hillside. And then <laughs> you get kind of my uh, old stomping grounds in like Canada and the States. And a lot of us would know like cheddar cheese is craft you know, cracker barrel, cheddar cheese, like <laughs> consistency is your only man. Mm, right. And I think you can almost get, uh, I, I'm sure that somebody at like Harriet Watt, uh, you know, the beer university <laughs> that um, Lindsay was talking about, I'm sure they're doing some experiments into like barley terroir, like at what stage does variety make a big difference? And then at what stage does the kind of year you had and maybe 
if you get some heritage varieties or, you know, you've got a six row barley type or a two mm-hmm. row barley type, or like your soil is chalky or your soil is loamy, like what does this do for your final product? And there's so many variables, aren't there? Like Absolutely. And then you roast the stuff or you take it to like, because when you, when you malt it, don't you, you have to sort of like, if, if I'm sprouting seeds uh, of say cabbages, to eat as like salad little little mini microgreens or sprouted mm. salad greens on a sandwich in the winter time like you know how like when does the maltster stop the the cuz they have to yeah the germination sort of bathe yeah. the grain in mm. enough water so that it gets to like half its weight in water it takes up water mm. starts thinking it's going to grow it it starts like converting its all its nice solidified energy stores and sugars and proteins into um, what you're then going to add the yeast to, and 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 then like there's there's this point like how far do you push that and then how yeah. far do you push the temperature yeah. and it's really interesting being because that that's actually something that I didn't mention earlier is that the the reason that we malt grains to begin with is because they as a um, as a you know a biological product they're basically a grass almost you know the seeds and grass you can't you can't just kind of cook those in water and expect to get beer um, or anything that's fermentable what you need is some sort of starch or you know like a, a sh- kind of sugar to be fermentable in the in the first place and the only way to get that out is to start that germination process so that's why that's why we malt grains to begin with unlike um, fruit, whether it's grapes or whether it's pineapple or whether it's anything else, which would ferment without any help at all. Right. You kind of leave it and it ferments because there's nothing to break through. But the husk- firm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> may or may not have just had a pineapple over the Christmas. <laughs> oh, it's not still there. It's oh, no, it's not still there. Oh. And, and just by just, I mean, you know, it's been a little while. But I, the sadness remains. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. There's, there's, you know, really, if you look at it, thousands of varieties of of barley when you get into it. And historically, mm-hmm. you know, we ish, w- it looks like we have sort of ten thousand ish years ago. But again, always gets set back a little further, a little further. And you have, at least in archaeology, the the arguments over did baking come first or did brewing come first? And mm-hmm. you, you know, it's there is no good answer really. You can just say why not both, and and it's all good. But I, I know it's been in the news this past week or so that as from when we're recording, that's. Uh, they just found out. How did the BBC describe it? A beer factory in Egypt. I was like, "There's a word for that." Brewery, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right, exactly. And I, I was like, "Oh, I want to go back and find the actual, you know, scientific literature on it because they talked a lot about sort of that germination bit, but they didn't talk about the malting." And I'm like, "Oh, but I want to know, like, what were they doing there? What what was happening, you know, there?" And we do have good evidence of malting in, in a lot of different places, you know, with, you know, sort of even that early on and, and much mm. more recently, again, there was, there's a very cool uh, find in, uh, in Scandinavia. I want to say it's in Denmark. I'm just going to look it up to, to be sure where they did find absolutely, you know, iron age maltings. Um, wow, and that's cool. they call it the mm. oldest evidence of malted barley. Maybe, maybe not because a lot of times this evidence is there, but people don't recognize it because they don't understand the process. Right. And, you know, we could spend a whole podcast just on this, but I will say, look up Marin Dinley. We'll, we'll link her in the show notes. She is an archaeologist who focuses on this and is like, 
they were all molting uh, because mm. so many sort of things that looked like what we used to call kind of destruction layers where there had been fire. Actually, no, they just kind of might have kept a permanent sort of heat there to make mulch. Uh. If you don't know that that's what's happening, you're not going to look for, you know, oh, were there bits of, you know, grain? What's happening here? So it's it's fascinating. But yeah, they found, um, let's see, yeah, they found this in, in Denmark uh, from Pundeburg. So good, you know, sort of uh, Iron Age uh, Scando name there. But yeah, so there's, there's a lot there that we could look at. But it's it's interesting that there's a lot of evidence there, but people don't always recognize it for, for right. what it is. So um, and even there's a lot in Southeast Asia, but it's often not published in English. So people are just like, la la la, don't know. So we only hear kind of <laughs> the Middle East, Europe. But again, people have been malting barley wherever they've had barley. So but we don't know. It's been to your point about kind of some of these heritage grains are like, what what kind of, you know, what kind of character did they lend the beer? We just we don't know. We haven't done that work yet. So I think that's a fascinating area for people to really just dive into. So that that's the whistle stop tour of like it's been <laughs> happening a long time. We know about it. And often it's there but people are just not seeing it. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean it's um I read in a few different articles that, you know, humans seem to have been molting for years and years and years, even without knowing exactly why they were doing it. Yeah. So, you know, that just kind of, um, it ties in, you know, people, I mean, Christina would probably, um, you know, <laughs> shout this from the rooftops, but people were not stupid back in the day. They knew exactly. what worked, even if they didn't know the science behind it. You know, people still made beer before they knew what yeast was. So, you know, Absolutely. And the malting is so interesting. And, and again, no one's done this work really to be like, were they trying to get a certain color or flavor profile? Like what, you know, we, we just don't know, but that would be really interesting to see someone kind of dig into because, you know, once they figured out that they could make it different, that, you know, that must have been relatively early on to what extent you do, you get sort of regional variation or, or people just going for like, oh, whatever turns out this week, like we don't, we don't know. Or were they like making like old school, like so, sort of uh, Bronze Age haze boy, you know, beers or throwing in some, some oats. You know, we don't know. We have to do the work. Or as we say, well, more research is needed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, more research is definitely needed. Yeah. I'm just going to quickly research this Melody Noir Baltic Porter and uh, see see what some Pilsner malt, Munich malt. Ooh. I can't even say this. Cara Bohemian chocolate malt, Magnum, WLP83. I'm sorry. Ooh. Girls. It doesn't even have a name. It's just a number. It's just a lot of malts. So that's, so that's four different malts in one beer. I mean, Baltic, Baltic porters, I love Baltic porters because they're kind of like, well, they're kind of like stouts, but with a lager yeast. So, you know, exactly. Cool like that. Um, I actually have this really fun story that I read. Um, and it goes to kind of all the different malts that you get. You know, you'll get Carapels and Caraminic and, and all these different malts. Now, there is a, a malt called roasted barley, which is weird because you'd think it is, you know, like, all, all malt is roasted barley, isn't it? Surely. No, it's actually not. It's actually raw barley that's been roasted. Oh. Yes, it's not. It's unmalted barley. Now. Oh, interesting. Get this. So apparently it is an Irish, um, it's an Irish thing in a sense. Maybe not the barley itself, but the use of it is predominant in Irish beer. Well, famous Irish beers like Guinness, because mm. when the British were taxing beer based on the amount of malt used, they got around that oh. by using roasted barley because it wasn't. Oh. 
The Irish are very clever. Very well done, smart. lads. Very, yeah. very smart. Very smart. So the likes of the likes of uh, Guinness, like I'm wearing, and 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 uh, <laughs> Beamish and Murphys and those guys. Um, that is also, I think, one of the predominant flavor profiles of an Irish stout is unmalted um, roast barley. Mm. Yeah. That's wow, I did not know that. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's mm. up there with like how ABBA had crazy outfits because they couldn't be taxed on them. Like that was their whole, <gasps> I didn't know that. that was why they were like that. Cause they were like, they're like, can't tax us if we look ridiculous. And they were like, <laughs> you know, shiny and chrome. So that is how that happened, but it's the same thing. So good job, everyone. Accidental history. I love it. Yes. <laughs> Accidental funny. Eurovision history. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> Now I think back to all the times I took, you know, friends from over the pond to the Guinness storehouse and you were, you were allowed to sort of sift through their toasted barley. And I think that's what that was. I was there on the site of this archaeology and I didn't know what I was looking at. (laughs) (laughs) Only now do I see (laughs) there's that yeah there's that whole sort of you know very like tactile and and just sort of you know sense memory element of touring breweries when we used to do that I mean I feel like so many of the smaller ones give you a little bit of their barley to kind of Mm. chew on and and sort of give you the sense of what the different sort of colors which I'm saying you know wildly Mm. inaccurately but just to be like oh this is this and this is this and to give you that that sense that it's very different even though it's the same thing so I I know, so shout out Bally Kilcavin. I'm sure you guys are going to do this at some point when we can all visit again. But uh, it, it's, I feel like it's such a kind of uh, part of the experience. And, and like you say, going to yeah. like the Guinness storehouse, yeah. there's that whole kind of, um, I think they even are like, look, it's all pale malt except for this little bit. So yes. yeah. I've seen a couple of breweries who display their beers almost as ratios of different grains. Yeah. So you'd see, you'd see, you know, in a glass or a cylinder, sort of, you know, this much pale malt, this much chocolate malt, this much black malt for a start. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. some, you know, something like that. And that's, that's really cool. People should be Instagramming that. That is yeah, mm, just so interesting mm, to kind of mm. see like what went in versus what came out. I think exactly that's, the ratios yeah. and stuff. I think that's really, really cool. And, uh, and, and hopefully 12 acres brewing also do something like that. So yeah. Um, I mean, I think they're fairly close mm. to Ballykill Cavern. So to be able to see two breweries close together that both grow their own barley would be really, really cool. And 12 Acres make some cracking beers. So, you know, always happy to support them. So, ladies, what are your favorite malt-forward beer styles? Um, you, can, you can have one or two uh, or more, but we'll start. I think, I think Lisa. Let's go with Lisa. Ah, uh, let's see. So I remember years ago when I was first doing my, my BJCP stuff, you know, one of the things they really tried to hammer into you was having different ways to describe malt, which I'm mm. putting in air quotes for those listening. So you're not just like, oh, it's malty, you know, get granular. Ah, I did a thing. <laughs> um, <Pan> alert. <laughs> exactly. Get granular about what it is you're trying to say. So obviously, if you're having like, oh, Bohemian Pilsner, you really want to be like, oh, it's got that sort of toasty, bready kind of a kind of a flavor. And I do love a, a good bohemian pilsner but i i would say one of my favorite kind of malt forward beers and and maybe it's 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 coming back up around the circle is uh whether we're calling it a black ipa or a cascadian mm. dark ale don't care which we're calling it like i'm you know and i'm happy to have the argument over but it's not historically i could like none of it is it's fine nope. um <laughs> you know i love a black ipa some of them, you know, can get that sort of weird place where the, the hops and malt don't quite match mm. up, but when they're together in a sort of simpatico way, just one, one of my favorite styles, and I love to get that kind of, 
you know, that, that roasty chocolatey malt. I, I don't love it when it goes too coffee, but again, to get those sort of, <laughs> those sort of notes with, with the hops. So it, it makes me very happy, but I will say I am very much enjoying this Irish red ale. And, and again, another mm. one's like, is it really a traditional style? It depends how you think about it. But I, I do love that um, if you guys have watched views on brews uh, on YouTube, mm. I know mm-hmm. he always likes to comment yeah. on us. Hello. Um, you know, he made a really interesting point that, you know, that these sort of for the domestic market like this one are much less of that sort of sweet caramel kind of multi flavor than, you know, the, the ones that, that do go overseas. And I think absolutely bang on. I, I But loving this, even though it's got a hint of that, but not quite as much as you get in some others. So yeah. I like a lot of multi things, you know, and, and I will say too, just to, to another shout out to Whiplash. They have a new double out at the moment. That's also really good. So oh, nice. Awesome. Katie, what are your favorite uh, malt forward beers? Malt forward. I think I'm going to go German. Ooh. I think like the Cristal. Mm. Beer. Like a, oh, I really like love a Crystal them. Vice. Yeah. Mm. I think they're really, really, really nice. Um, mm. Uh, yeah, and lager. Like I love a good lager, yeah. a good lager. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you find uh, you there are not many brewed by the smaller breweries in Ireland. They tend to That's go true. porter or IPA or. Mm-hmm. But like, I love a good lager on a nice mm-hmm. hot sunny day. It's lovely. Yeah, so, absolutely. The Four Provinces right? one is really nice. They're uh, I think it's the Poddle, Poddle? Lager. Yeah, Poddle. That's nice. I love the Poddle. Yeah, perfect summer beer. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Bean? Way in four provinces. I wanted to try four provinces, but then it slipped through my fingers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> once again, Bean refuses to answer the question properly at all. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's precedent for all these things. Did you ha- ask me a straightforward, normal human question? Well, no. <laughs> Just no. Mostly because I don't know what I'm talking about. Just uh. give me... Uh, something that tastes nice at the end of the day and uh, maybe tell me a story about how it's close to me and it's not exactly at my farmer's market but you like tried to do your best farming practice and you may not be certified organic because that is a pain in the bum yeah (laughs) but um, you know how you tried to not spray your field and get this from a friend of yours down the road and and be local and uh how you roasted it and toasted it and how you love it. And it's awesome. And you're not going to say sorry to anybody. <laughs> it and I'll try it. <laughs> and I don't know what I like in terms of a malt. Throw it all in there and see how it goes. <laughs> you like it when they label the different malts. I think we've all agreed. We want to yes. see what's in there. So well, that's so much fun. Yes. I love when the label says we got Absolutely. like water from our farm and malts yeah. from down the road. And mm. The, the, so the cool. beer that I'm drinking, oh, there we go. <laughs> it has labeled the hop varieties, but not the malt. Mm-hmm. So ah. The hops like, are obviously sexier than malts in some some people's eyes. Uh, we've got to change that perception now, guys. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I mean, you know, Bean, uh, no, sorry, not Bean, Lisa, I'm surprised you didn't mention your beloved Dark Miles. Um, oh, that's but true, I, that's um, true. Mm-hmm. But I brewed one recently, actually, right. and and it turned it turned out lovely. Like, and I think I'll build on the recipe and see, you know, exactly where to go with it. But um, I thought that was a really interesting style to brew because not only is it, you know, it's malt forward, but it's not heavy in any way. Absolutely, it's very sessionable. You know, I think it was three point eight percent or something. It was lovely. Um, 
but I think I also I also like a a, a black IPA or a Cascadian dark ale and dark lagers. Love a good oh, dark yes. lager. Mm-hmm. Like a good a good Schwarz, a good dark lager is always lovely. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't think you can mention malt forward beers without good old stouts, whether they be of the export variety that I've got, which are you know very sort of rich and coffee heavy and whatnot, but you know probably not things that you have more than one of in a <laughs> in a session. Or you could go the opposite way, almost to where Katie went with um, different kinds of grains, so different kind of malts. So your wheat beers are such a lovely, um, such a lovely example of, of malt forward beers. Although they're often yeasty, that's often their mm-hmm. big characteristic. But they're not hoppy. I think that's kind of the diametric opposite, right? Um, yeah. yeah. There's so many good things with malt, guys. There's so many good things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we could talk malt forever, but we know we're you know we're yeah. introducing this time so yes 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 i know we're keeping it light <laughs> indeed <laughs> i feel that we've done malt a great service today <laughs> i hope so i do i do hope that everybody starts uh, thinking about malt a little bit better but uh, yeah guys i think that we're going to wrap up unless there is anything that uh, any pressing malt barley <laughs> wheat issues <laughs> some spicy rye <laughs> some- <laughs> We've barley scratched the surface. Oh, <laughs> I love it. Babe. Oh, I love it. We've babe. tried to crystallize some things. Oh, <laughs> oh. We did our we did our best within the time we had today, and hopefully, Jennifer is organized now. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you, friends. Thank you for weighing in on uh, malt and all of its uh, amazing properties. And thank you at home for listening to us once again. And um, please like, subscribe, share, review, rate, do all of those good things for us. Um, it really does help. And I think we are, we're trying to push our subscribers up a little bit, both on YouTube and on the podcast platforms. So yeah, if you wouldn't mind, please go and do that for us. We will be forever in your debt. Buy you all a right. pint in the aftertimes. You know, you know, see you at the pubs one day. <laughs> one, one day. day. Oh. <laughs> we all look forward to that day. All right, friends. See you then. See you then. Cheers, everybody. Cheers. Bye-bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.